Good morning, everyone. Wow. Wow. What? And this is Peter. Yeah. Oh, man. Good morning. You win. You win on that, but I'm not surprised um, at that. Um, well, it is a delight to be back together this morning and beginning a new week um, here in November. And uh, we are continuing in our conversation and our theme of identity and sexuality. And uh, really, one of the foundational questions that, that uh, we can spend a lifetime learning about and discovering is this question of who, who am I? And this, this idea of identity is a direct result of asking a deeper question of who is God, right? And so when we know who God is, um, then, then we can begin to grasp who we are. And at the very basic level, um, too, we know that part of what it means to be human, to be made and created in God's image, um, that our sexuality is a part of that. And as we are in this overarching theme of abundant life in chapel, that Jesus is our good shepherd, shepherding us ongoing to continuing deeper experiences and expressions of abundant living, um, that includes our sexuality. Um, but he also, in that same verse, says the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So whatever God's plans and purposes are for abundance, uh, the enemy has a plan to try to steal, kill, and destroy, distract for that. And so uh, one of the things that then we wanted to do, continuing from last week, we, we had uh, Dr. Preston Sprinkle here last Monday and Tuesday, uh, began talking about the, that idea of, of um, how is it that we as Christians lean into, respond to, interact with um, those that have a different sexual ethic, even within the realm of Christianity. And so we talked about the posture um, that we have towards those that differ um, from our own personal perspective or even kind of the collective traditional historic perspective of Christianity, but then also looking at what is our position um, on this. And, um, and, and one of the ways we wanted to model the continuation of this conversation, because um, I'll just be honest, there's so many questions regarding this, and we'll spend a lifetime um, searching and seeking them out. Uh, but we didn't just want to leave last week as it is because there's a lot of other questions and a lot of different responses and a lot of different ways that you guys as students um, uh, interact and receive what was said. And I, I like to just jokingly say, you know, you pick any, any one chapel, um, and that's including this one even, um, and to use the language of students, um, you're, you're going to have 25% that think that was fire, and then you have 25% that think that's false prophet, and then you have this middle 50% that's like, eh, somewhere in between. And so, um, and we recognize that that's true. We, we all will be receiving um, and whatever is being shared in chapel in different ways and filtering it with, with different um, ideas. But really, um, our purpose is for us to continue the conversation uh, speaking the truth in love so that we can continue to grow up into the head who is Christ and that we can recognize our part, our collective identity in Christ as his body and, and how it is that we uh, position and posture ourselves regarding this conversation. So uh, what we did last week, uh, we sent out a survey on Tuesday and uh, we asked one question. It was a one-minute survey, one question, because we know we don't want to survey you guys to death. We have lots of, you know, lots of surveys and things that you guys respond to. But it was simply, what are the top three questions that you would desire to be discussed in chapel regarding faith, gender, and sexuality? And I wanted to say thank you uh, for your honest, real, raw, authentic questions. Um, and, uh, and so for the most part, um, there was the, the engagement was, was incredible. And um, it just left me in awe. Uh, to know like what kind of questions you guys are asking. Some of it I anticipated, but others, um, 
that I was, I was struck and it made me think in different ways. And so um, we wanted to just have devote two chapels, both today and tomorrow, responding to really the, the main core um, questions that were asked. And we'll see how far uh, we get today. And I, I invited our dear friend, Dr. Peter Kapsner, um, and who obviously you guys all cheered, so you know him well. But, uh, and we want to just recognize that this is just our two perspectives. And, um, and this is, the, we're not the authority, the final say no. on this. My perspective is the right perspective. Yeah, it's so, true. Yeah, don't, don't be all humble he, up there. Peter's will be writer yeah. than mine, probably. Yeah, yeah, no, More yeah. biblical for Stop sure. Stop with the false humility. I mean, yeah, okay. okay. So, um, so we're going to, we want to just mo- have a conversation together um, and, and as a way to help model the continue the conversation and to know that you can continue the conversation with us and with other student life, with other faculty. We are in this journey together. So, um, so we want to keep, so without further ado, that was a longer in- introduction. So I'm going to give you the first stab at the first question. Okay, just, just for, because I've been talking too much. So first question was this, how can Christians reach and repair relationships with the LGBTQ community, even if we have differing views of sexuality. You want, Opening. This, is, this is where I go. This is where you go. I'll, I'll <laughs> chime in. But we could have started with Calvinism and, and Armenianism. That would have been easier than than this deal, I think. True. Um, <laughs> Those questions weren't asked though. <laughs> On Darn. the survey. Darn. We could, that's another survey. No, we'll do that wrong, later. Very bad. Okay. Badly designed survey. Um, <laughs> so. I mean, it assumes there are relationships that need to be repaired, which I think we can safely assume that. I, obviously, there's quite a bit of tension and turmoil happening um, within churches on this topic uh, that are coming from differing points of views. And then, of course, uh, society with the church is also experiencing a lot of that tension. And I think we could probably safely say in the room before we try to address the issue that I'm guessing that in this room there's multiple perspectives from why should there even be a problem? Because uh, do we even know for sure that living a lesbian or gay lifestyle is wrong? Um, that is increasingly becoming actually a more common view in many churches. Uh, you probably have the point of view in the room here of along the lines of, well, I think that it's wrong, but I don't really know why. And when we don't know why, then things kind of just sort of keep moving with a certain momentum towards a certain conclusion. And then there's probably in the room where people that say, well, the Bible clearly says it's wrong, and yet if you're involved in the life of the church right now, people are looking at the biblical text and coming to different conclusions about what's right or wrong. And so it's a really tricky, very confusing issue. And, and if there's people in this room that have this whole thing all sorted out, uh, I would suggest we probably need to have some more conversation just because it is, it, it's tricky. And it's then created fractures and fissures between people who are trying to sort out who they are from a sexual standpoint and probably have experienced a fair amount of hatred and uh, and maybe sort of you know talk to the hand posture from the church thus leading to some of the fractures and pain i got a question uh, from a church that i was working with a couple of weeks ago a large church in the western suburbs that said you know capsner they're teaching all this stuff in school come fix it fix it. You've got to come fix it. And I was like, what? Uh, I don't have any idea how to fix it other than to say that um, I don't think that these bridges can be repaired overnight. I wish I could come and give you, here are three tips and everything will be fixed. Uh, I don't think we understand the depth of the fracture and the nature of the confusion if we think we can fix it just in that period of time. Um, But I think a couple suggestions that I would say right now 
is assuming, as I do, and having done, uh, I remember it was 2012 that some students came to me and said, so Capstoner, what is your view on same-gender marriage? And I was able to tell them my view, but I wasn't able to tell them why. And I took about a year of just saying, okay, Capstoner, here's what you believe to be true. Set it all aside. And in setting it all aside, try to investigate the text on its own merits, theological history on its own merits. Maybe have I been wrong about this issue, as I've been wrong about many issues in the kingdom in the past. Uh, and it took about a year to study it. And, and after a year of that time, was able to sort of re-pick things up and say, I think I have a much better understanding why same-gender relationships are inconsistent with God's kingdom of shalom and peace. Uh, I have a much better way to talk. And the other thing that happened is I, I lost all of my stones of condemnation. They just all dropped. Um, the waters that we're swimming in, the fact that that which is credible on our phones is simply that which is viral. We don't have voices of authority that are helping us walk through and hedge in this whole journey. So if we're not confused, I think it would be weird. And if, if people in this room are not questioning whether or not they're gay and lesbian, that would be strange. So, I mean, we're in a really hard environment for all of this scenario. So if you assume, as I do, that gay and lesbian relationships are inconsistent with God's kingdom, but not having any stones of condemnation about it, nothing but sympathy and understanding for how confusing the world is, how do you then interact from that place with somebody maybe who has embraced the lifestyle of an LGBTQ community? And one thing I don't find works very well is you thump them over the head with the scriptures. Um, uh, I, I, <laughs> I haven't seen that posture ever really, really be helpful. In fact, I, I think there's a couple things. I think the church is in a place where the church has lost its voice in this situation. And, and it's lost its voice for a couple of reasons, but primary among them is the objection I think we get is, well, why don't you look inside your church doors? I mean, do you see the sexual sin that's happening there? Uh, and this, this sort of objection of, of hypocrisy, both in the Catholic Church with what has happened with the sexual abuse scandal, and in the Protestant Church with how many prominent Protestant leaders have confessed to pretty significant lives of, of depravity and sin. And so there's a sense of which, who are you to say? Um, so I think that's one piece of it. I think sometimes people have the belief that they've been exposed to the beautiful kingdom of Jesus by coming to a church, but maybe they never actually heard what the beautiful kingdom is all about. And that's, I think, a scarier place when we think we've rejected Christianity because we got exposed to Christianity, but it wasn't actually the faith that Jesus came <laughs> with. So all that said, so here's the long answer to the question. I don't know of another posture right now than to take the posture of the father of the prodigal son. Um, research came out from Pew Research about a month ago that said that attitudes are actually changing towards gender transition surgery among the millennial generation. And I would have thought that would have meant that the attitudes were getting more permissive towards gender transition surgery, but actually they're becoming less permissive. It went from like 30% uh, of permissive to, or not permitting to 37 or something. It went the opposite direction and they wondered why. And it's because people are now living in the results of two or three or four years of what has become increasingly common, like hormone therapy and gender transition. And they're seeing that these decisions do not resolve the depression, anxiety, turmoil, pain, sense of identity, all of that, like the false promises said that they would. And in engaging in sexual relationships, I must be lesbian, I must be gay, because I have the sense of attraction to and engaging in these relationships is not bringing 
a sense of wholeness and shalom into the peace, anxiety, turmoil. So we're, we're living in the initial rippling, rippling results of this situation where the false promises are being revealed. This is the prodigal son taking the inheritance. There was no chance that the father was going to be able to thump the son over the head with the Bible at that point. The son was going to need to just go this direction for a while and taste the fruit of the decisions. Um, and I don't think that it's until the fruit is fully tasted, because we've seen this happen throughout history, and it never ends well. When gender blurring starts, when same-gender relationship starts in any country or culture, it, it actually ends up unraveling in really profound, awful, broken kinds of ways. It seems like it should be bringing love and peace and hope, and it's actually bringing concern, confusion, turmoil, and pain. But the church can't say that right now, because the church has lost its voice primarily on this issue. What the church can do, I would say, Justin, is, um, and it was Russell Moore, I think I first heard it from, he said the church has to be in a season right now to prepare itself to welcome the sexual refugees at the end of it all. And the only way the church can do that is to get its own house in order now. I mean, we've never even gone back to the 1970s to deal with the divorce culture, much less the safe sex culture of the 1980s, the premarital sex culture, the cohabitation, the internet porn on the phone, the multiple, we haven't dealt with any of that stuff. And the church has a short window, I would say, of somewhere between, I don't have a crystal ball, but let's say between three to five years to really learn what it means to walk in wholeness in sexuality so that it has something to give to the broken refugees that inevitably will result from where all we're going with this whole thing. So how do we repair it? It isn't just simply by trying to live in the tension. You believe that way and I believe this way and we can be friends. Um, there's, a, I think, a much different call. Last piece I'd say to it is uh, we have a very dear friend in our life who is gay and um, he, is or he, is, he has his partner. His partner was married previously with some um, three children in that relationship. And about a month ago, one of those children uh, killed themselves. And my gay friend texted me and, and uh, said, you know, can we just go out? And we went out that night and spent um, about three hours together. And he said to me at the end of it, he said, you know, Peter, I was actually scared to say a lot of this stuff because I know you teach at Northwestern. Um, and he said, but thank you for giving me the space to just simply grieve and be. And I wasn't there to try to change some sort of sexual ethic. I was simply there to be in the midst of what is the human condition of pain and turmoil and suffering. Um, playing the long game, believing that this whole thing is going to end badly because it always ends badly, uh, but not from a place of condemnation and judgment, a place of welcoming hope and restoration when the brokenness is fully revealed. Good. Um, man, I, I really appreciate, I mean, I think often when we, we as Christians, as we go to this conversation, we, we tend to go, um, you know, to the, to the teachings of Paul and we, we look at, you know, what does the Bible say? And, and that, that's important, and that's, that's definitely a part of this, but I, I think what I appreciate about what you brought out um, was really what, what does a Christ-like posture look like here? And, and, and one of the things that I was reflecting on as I was receiving these questions and we're sifting through them last week was I think part of the answer, too, um, of what, what is a Christ-like posture, if you look at, you know, Jesus doesn't address this explicitly in terms of, you know, uh, same-sex or transgender uh, relationships that, and, and that type of thing. Um, but you can look at the way that he postures himself, the way that he incarnated and modeled love in such a radical way to those that were on the fringe, or those that were on the outcast, those that were deemed as the, the, the sinners and uh, the, the rejected socially and, and, and in, religious, in the religious circles. And I think part of what this looks like is that um, Jesus was so close to those that were labeled sinners, that he was actually accused as of being a sinner himself. You know, they said the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, there's a glutton and a drunkard. Yeah. And so I think if, if, 
to the degree of which maybe I'm living a life that's not being accused by others of like, oh, you're affirming, you're going way off the edge, you're, you're way over on the left, the liberal, you don't care. I actually probably am not embodying the radical love of Christ in the way that he's called me to, in the way that the Holy Spirit enables us to, um, that we're actually live close enough to this conversation and relationship and actually create space to be around a table um, and to offer your life and to actually get to know um, that these are people. Um, and I love the, you know, the posture that Preston presented last year. This is not an issue to be debated. They're people to be loved. And, um, you know, I, I remember, too, uh, for myself and I, uh, for myself and I, wow. <laughs> wow. You have different issues going on this morning. Yes. So, There's lots of you here today. There's, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm talking about, you know, my soul, my spirit, my <laughs> right, body. Yeah. Right, yeah. Different. Sure, right. Right. Okay, Way to spiritualize that bad. one. Wow. Nice recovery. There it is. Yep. Uh, happy Monday morning, everyone. Um, <laughs> For my wife and I, um, is what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm even more confused. I, uh, I know. I, I know. Um, but we, we had a friend. It started off a, a friend of hers that she um, had in grad school and who um, her friend was transgender. Um, this individual was born uh, a woman and then transitioned into a man and preferred to be called him, you know, his. Uh, and, and, and so but then uh, was married to a woman. And so um, I, they invited us over for dinner uh, one evening, and we went over there, and it was just, for me, the simplicity of sharing a meal with both of them and hearing some of their story. And then to get into the nitty-gritty of all of their, you know, their past and, and um, this, uh, 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 his name at the time was Casey, uh, said that, you know, he'd, he had done, he hadn't done uh, uh, the, a sex, uh, you know, there wasn't surgery, sex reassignment surgery, but there was hormones that were being taken, and he had been long, I mean, for me, visibly, like, looked, presented outwardly as a, as a male, you know, um, and pretty clearly, and, uh, but I think it was beginning that conversation, and sitting across, and actually just looking eye to eye, and, and having conversation about, about life, um, and at, at, at first, um, he had admitted to, to my wife saying, oh, you must, you know, be like, you totally are okay with me, that type of thing. And then found out that she was a Christian and then thought, oh, wait, wait, wait a second. And then kind of had a little bit of a recoil and understandably so. But then at the same time had a sense of like, but wait a second, I don't sense the same type of hate and judgment and condemnation that I've experienced from others um, because there had been a relationship formed there. And um, I think that some degree too, um, we as, as Christians, we engage this, I think knowing why we believe what we believe is important, but I don't think it necessitates us to change our theology. It's more changing our posture and the application of that theology, all while continuing to take a humble posture of a learner and entering into relationship to such a radical degree like Christ did, um, where he was, he was actually misrepresented and misinterpreted as actually a sinner himself. Yeah, and I think as you referenced, to be equipped to understand, like to whatever level we're confused by these things, it gives you just a different sense of peace to be able to engage in the relationships. And, and uh, I love what you said, Justin, about where Jesus would find himself because Jesus was so interested in people's wholeness. Uh, and by wholeness, I mean consistent with his kingdom, not consistent with what we think will make us whole, but what wholeness has manifested in, in peace and lack of worry and fear has been diminished and I can laugh with freedom. Uh, I can cry tears of joy and pain, like just, just a life that is just free. 
right? He was interested in that kind of wholeness. But if you're interested in that kind of wholeness, you're going to go to the places where the deepest brokenness is happening. And you will laugh and you will cry and you will have fun and you will do all of what you do that makes you human. But my favorite part of the time spent with my friend who is gay is before we even got started, he's like, you know what? I, who are you? Because I came to the funeral at this universalist church where they never used the name of God, um, somehow tried to lean into an important story that your life was, and this wasn't the end of it, like all of this kind of stuff. And I came specifically to be there with, with and for him. And he looked at me, and knowing that I was a Christian, he said, who are you? Like he couldn't sort it out that a Christian would be in that place of the profound brokenness. And, but at the same time, as I referenced before, if, we don't, if we're not inhabiting and, and incarnating a sense of what authentic kingdom life is and not some weird version or Christian game of it, it's really tough to bring the light into the darkness in those places. And so, Justin, I think it's as important that the church not just get its sexual ethics sort of sorted out, but it's as important to kind of have a bit of a Josiah moment here because I think in our, in our churches, we've sort of lost our sense of what is God's kingdom in the name of entertainment, in the name of growth, in the name of I'm not sure what. And I think sometimes we think we've met the kingdom and we don't even know what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, the last thing to say, I... I uh, came across, so this, this, this was a study of the religious background of, of those that would identify as within the LGBTQ um, community, and it was a study by Andrew Marin. Um, it was the largest social scientific study on the religious background of the LGBTQ people. It was over 1,700 uh, people were surveyed. Over 20,000 qualitative results were analyzed, and uh, it said that 83% where people uh, in, the, in the LGBTQ community were raised in the church, 83%. 51% have left the church after 18 years, and only 3% of the 51% said that they left because of the church's traditional views of marriage and sexuality. And what was interesting, I mean, they left primarily because they did not feel safe. They felt a relational disconnection with leaders. And then here is the, the main one, incongruence between teaching and practice. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, I was going to ask you, I know one of the questions that came up was, you know, can you safely wrestle? I mean, if you're in this room this morning, and again, I think it'd be really weird if there wasn't a significant number of people in this room wondering about there, are they, you know, lesbian, are they gay? What, how do they make sense of what are some real attractions that are going on? How do we sort of this, this thing out? I'm not, I'm not part of the administrative part of our institution, so I don't know how to answer that question entirely. But if somebody's wrestling with these things, Justin, is, uh, is Northwestern a, a safe place? I mean, right, and what even constitutes a safe place? Like, how do we understand this question? Yeah, yeah and that's a good question. And, and I think... Thanks. Um, you're welcome. I liked it too. I thought yeah, it was so like, I mean, as it kept coming to me, I'm like, this is getting smarter by the that's minute. That's why you're, you're a doctor. And I'm yeah, not, I guess. Yeah. Oh, those fancy letters yeah. are awesome. Um, let, let me just comment on a couple of things. I think, yeah, constituting a, a safe space is a good question um, to, to ask. But a couple of things that I can share, and that was one of the questions too, is what is Northwestern's posture here? What about if you're a student now here and you're, you're wrestling with these things yourself? Um, and, you know, and you look at the, the Declaration of Christian Community and what does that say and how does that apply to me? And if I do voice that I'm struggling with my sexual identity, am I just going to get kicked out? And, and, or am I going to be shamed? Am I, whatever. Um, and let me, let me just mention a couple different things. For, on, on the one hand, I want to say that, that our counseling department is, um, is, is one of the only uh, uh, confidential spaces. It is a safe place for you to come and to share whatever you want, without, without judgment, without 
condemnation and knowing that the, our counseling department within student life will walk alongside of every single student on an individual basis. So there's no like, okay, I'm wrestling with this and all of a sudden, oh, pff, we put you over here. And, um, and so you all know that um, our counseling department in student life does not practice what many have called conversion therapy. Um, that is not our posture at all. Um, and our, our posture is to come alongside of each student in love and to be able to share, to be able to care, to express the love of Christ, to provide um, what I would call the closest thing to a safe place on this campus to, for you to be able to wrestle with um, a licensed professional. Now, at the same time, um, I know these are, a lot of these conversations don't uh, come forward to maybe to that level, um, to the counseling uh, aspect. I would encourage you uh, to bring it there, that that is a safe place. Um, however, um, I know that the money of the conversations are happening amongst you all. And they're happening um, in small groups. They're happening in conversations. And um, this, this is where I want to say I think it can be safe in the sense to the degree that we embody the radical love of Christ to one another. That we're not trying to out anyone. We're not trying to report anyone. Um, that if a student comes to me and they're living in a, in a way that's against the, declar- against the DCC, it depends on the posture of their heart. If they're wrestling with it and they're saying, and I want to, you know, uh, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is true. I'm not going to just bring you straight to the, to the dean and get you kicked out. Um, that's not my heart. That's not our heart. That would seem life. unsafe. What? No, that that's not unsafe. very safe. Yes. So uh, we want to enter into conversation. And here's the thing. We want to hear uh, your story. We want to know, like, how did you get to this place in your life? What, what, what have been some of those key milestones and factors that have brought you to where you are? Um, but I, I want to say that this is, we, we are, there's gaps in our institution in the way that we're dealing with this. Um, there are, there are, we're still learning and growing. Um, we want to make sure the policies that are in place are serving students, not the other way around, but still while holding to um, uh, our, our historic, traditional Christian perspective, but yet uh, not changing, but we, yet we still need to continue, continue to change our posture yeah. uh, behind this. So, yeah, I, I can say for me, my family is all overseas right now. They're doing a homeschool semester abroad in Scotland. So my five kids and my wife are, are there, which is so fun. Um, but, you know, if this is one of the, and I'm going there for the holidays, I'm going back and, and everything. But uh, I, what I realize when they're gone is I don't actually have any friends. Um, <laughs> Which is problematic. I'm your, I'm your friend. Well, thank you. Yeah. You're such a safe space for me. Thank yes. you. Um, and, uh, and so if you're wrestling through these things and you can find my house through the power of the Spirit, just let the Spirit lead you like the book of Acts. Um, I have great bonfires in the evening to just talk about all this Jessica, stuff. So it's not an Excelsior. Do not say it's an Excelsior. Do not say that. Um, and so uh, these are the, but these are the kind of conversations in the evenings and kind of just even getting some space off campus and really wrestling through these things. Um, you are all my friends now, and uh, you are more than welcome. Uh, and we just keep wrestling through this as a community together, for sure. Um, just... A few things before. Maybe we uh, don't even have time to tee up. Let me, I'll we get only have one preview. question that we got to today? We only got one. I had five. I had five slides. Because oh so there's the one, is, like, how far, you know, what's the line, right? How Are far is too far? That before Mar- That's going to be tomorrow. So oh, I can't wait. That's going to be fun. Be, that'll be fun. Yep. Um, the, but listen, listen to this, this same study. I just wanted to think this was really important. Um, it said that 76% of LGBTQ people who have left the church said that they would consider returning as long as the church make some changes. Understand. What are those changes? Here are two, two quotes. Um, one from uh, a 20-year-old old gay male who said, 
I left the church because I, could find, I couldn't find one person who cared to listen to my story. I mean really listen. I'm talking about the listening to the extent of investing into my journey with my faith so deeply that I can actually call them brother or sister and mean it. And then another uh, quote from a 21-year-old lesbian said, All I wanted was to feel loved by those in the church I grew up with. Love is giving me time to be with you, to figure this out together. If you let any church people read this, so this is us, tell them that I don't have to be right to feel loved. I have to be dignified in our disagreement. And I think that that just is a good summary of the posture and um, of the way that we embody the love of Christ and his radical hospitality. Um, and so... Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to talk about um, the difference between sex and gender um, and the different roles in society and, 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 and what's said in the Bible. Um, we also have on the docket, um, yeah, how far, how far is too far, and to talk about the, this, the sexual purity culture within Christianity. And, uh, and then there's a, there's a few others, yeah, that, that, that are going to be coming forth as well. So we'll probably get through, hopefully, the rest tomorrow. I, I hope, please come back. Um, we, we trust and hope this is helpful. We actually have one closing song that I just want to invite us, uh, as I pray, I'm going to invite um, Ale and Leslie up to lead us, and that... Um, they're here. You did a great here. job praying. Like, wow. If my prayers right, could be as effective as yours, Justin. All right. I like, wow. I'm going to pray, and we're going to worship together. Father, <laughs> thank you for this time, and even though we got through just one question, I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to identify even just one thing that we would take with us, that we would be better equipped to embody the radical love and hospitality of Christ. Help us as an institution to look and act and think and live more like Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for loving us first. We say that we love you and help us to love others as you do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.